Welcome to ProHo, a movement that focuses on candid dialogue to bring to light shared experiences of Black and brown bodies to highlight all of the societal bullshit conditioning that has stunted our sexual identities and wellness. I'm your host, Penda Jai, and on today's episode, we are joined by Peyton Dix, and we are talking all about dating online as a queer person of color and how that relates to real life. So welcome, Peyton. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, and talk about sex, my like top three favorite subjects. I know. (laughs) I mean, my mother wishes it wasn't, but I was just like, yes, let's get into it. Like, tough. (laughs) I know. I love it. I actually got started talking about sex because my mom, it's like a whole thing of how she gave me a vibrator for Christmas and then sparked this whole conversation. That's literally how ProHo originated. That's genius. My mom gave me a taser for my most recent birthday. And my student loans, and I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. I mean, I have definitely gotten, (laughs) what's it called? Mace from my mom. yeah. But a taser, that's... Like, which I think you, like, can't legally buy, to be honest. Like, I don't know. (laughs) She's a very interesting woman. You know, we'll get to her later. Yes, I want to hear it. I want to hear all about the moms. My my friend said that I need a total episode dedicated to just moms because we love them, but they also have fucked us up so much. Oh, (laughs) deeply, yes. The girls. <laughs> the girls. The girls. So we're going to have to – I definitely want to hear about your mom, but I'm going to dedicate a special episode to moms and the thin, thin line between love and hate. Yes. So we'll, <laughs> we'll cross that bridge. Exactly. So you identify as a queer person of color. Yes. yes. Have you always – have you innately felt that your entire life? Absolutely. I think, like, you know, I don't really – the term coming out feels so loose to me, especially because my quote coming out experience never ends. Um, and I think that like, at least for me and how I pass and walk through the world, like I constantly have to reestablish myself as a queer person in both straight spaces and queer spaces. Um, so I feel like when I came out, it was like, maybe like I wrote an article online and um, kind of just shared it like, woohoo. And so it never really... I think it's also was easier for me because I grew up in really liberal spaces. And so I grew up in LA too. And like my dad lives in West Hollywood. So when I told him, he was just like, I was in college and he was like, where do you, uh, you need anything? And I was like, "Mm, no, I don't. Thank you. And he's like, cool. Okay. And like, that was it. Like, and you know, I feel like maybe I definitely started to know closer to like teenage, like early teens, like maybe 12 or 13, but um, didn't really fully come out until like maybe mid college. So yeah, ever since been <laughs> fucking women. <laughs> <laughs> I love that your dad was just like, and yeah, like, he's like, and what? Like, I gotta go. Like, what do you need? Like, I'm busy. Like, I love um, that, and I love the fact that you mentioned having to deal with straight and being queer and I think a lot of people of color deal with this like intersectionality of like having two identities of like being queer like having to fit into that space but then also Mm. being like black and queer those are like two separate spaces as well and so how do you have you had to deal with like white queer people and and their acceptance of you being black and queer yeah I think um I mean the space that I came out in which was college was a very white very liberal space um I was dating at the time an Asian girl but like it was like slim pickings even if I wanted to like only pursue queer women of color um thankfully like I had a circle of friends that were 
queer and of color, but um, that was a minority, like that was like few and far between in that entire campus. And so dominantly the women I hooked up with were white and it's a very different, you know, I think this comes into play with a lot of things, but I think queer people of color operate very differently. Um, Like the way a gay man, a white gay man walks through the world versus the way I walk through the world is different. Um, But even, you know, we can get into this for forever of like cis privilege and like all these things that I know that I have and straight passing privilege. Like even when I very, I didn't cut my hair because it came out, (laughs) I promise. I was just like so bored and love to be radical. Um, But when I cut my hair, I, I did think that maybe I would pass more in like a queer space but ain't nothing changed. Like it's just, I feel like people had still registered me as straight because of my previous relationships, because of maybe my body type. And so, you know, all those things obviously come from ignorant spaces. But I think like navigating, especially in New York, I feel like New York is tough because all the mostly queer places are dominantly white. And, you know, we will probably get to this, but online too, it's just the same thing. And, like, I feel like I have to swipe and swipe and be like, I'm a brown person. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. But I'm that person on online dating. Like, I make my preferences. I'm like, brown, black only. Yeah, like, Hispanic, yeah. Indian. Like, brown, 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 yeah, yeah, brown, yeah, brown, yeah. brown, brown. And then I'm like, why doesn't anyone swipe right on me? I'm just like, oh, because you literally made your chances of meeting someone this like, small. Like, small. So. <laughs> like, no. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm dating a white woman right now, and, like, my just my standard of dating white people is, like, I have to be able to clown white people, and you just have to rock with it and clown them back. If you're not vibing with me tearing white people to shreds, then you, you can't be the one. This isn't like, going to work. You won't. Well, like, I, it was so cute while I lost it, but thank you. Like, it, I feel like, you know, thankfully, you know, I love my partner, and I think she is very you know, tapped into what, how white people are, especially white queer people. But, you know, sometimes even that is something that like, you know, I think a lot of like black lesbians when they're dating each other, like I don't want to sometimes feel like insecure of like, Oh, like I'm not dating a white girl because I don't like black girls. Like that's not it. Like I just love this person. Like, and she happens to be white. And so that's an insecurity I feel too sometimes, which is, you know, disappointing, but you know. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think even, in straight relationships Mm -hmm. if I were to be dating a white man I think most of my black male friends or I would feel that kind of attention from other black men saying why Mm -hmm. are you dating a white man oh you don't you're you're not down for the culture you're not with us or I think people we put (laughs) on yeah we definitely (laughs) place those thoughts on when we see interracial relationships Mm -hmm. um did you meet your partner online um (laughs) I met her, I would say like the fruition of us came online, but I, this is about to be so white of me to say, but I was doing a panel at the wing (laughs) (laughs) and she was in the audience (laughs) and that's when we technically met. Um, So that is now everyone's like, bitch, you sold out. Um, but, But then we, you know, followed each other on Instagram and actually at the time she had a partner and so like it wasn't really, you know, I was respectful. Yes. Um, and they broke up. <laughs> so <laughs> then we kind of started talking online um, until she finally asked me out on a date. And then we went. 
I love and that. It worked. Yeah. Before you met her, were you active on online dating? And that was a big part of your social, you know, online presence. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I felt like I was using Tinder as much as I was using actually Instagram DMs. Like, I felt like a lot of people, you know, that like I had a lot of incidents where someone would DM me and we would start talking and then we would meet up. And that felt I think I leaned into that because it felt like more, quote, organic. And like I did that shitty thing where I like shamed myself for being on Tinder, even though everyone is on Tinder. Everyone. Everyone's on Tinder and we're all like, you're on Tinder. Like you're on Tinder. You're like, on, you, yeah, you, you I saw you. Tinder. Yeah, I saw you. I, I swiped left. Like, I met one of my boyfriends on Tinder. And then right. after we broke up, we're still really cordial, but I'm not on Tinder anymore. But when I was, he called me and he said, hey, I just saw you on Tinder. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, it's not a good look for you. And I was like, oh. uh, why? He's like, nah, it just, it, you're not that desperate. Like girls who are on Tinder, it's different when, than guys being on Tinder. And I was like, oh my God, such a also double like- standard. Like I'm out, I'm out here trying to find people, trying to find love, trying to find sex, whatever it is. Yeah. But <laughs> why is it, what's the double standard that women look like desperate or trashy if you have to resort to being on Tinder? Exactly. And also, like, let me remind you, sir. Like, <laughs> you saw me because you were on it. Yeah. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, I don't think I agree with you in saying, like, feeling like Instagram DMs feel like a more organic right. sense of, like, meeting people. But essentially, it is just, it's, a, it's the <laughs> same exact thing, same different thing. App. I mean, yeah. you can kind of see a little bit more into people's personal life, like their friends and their following. So you do right. have, like, a little bit more insight. But essentially, it's the same thing. Yeah. Meeting a stranger. But you said that uh, white people, like the dating apps for queer people, are predominantly geared towards white people and I think essentially white gay men. Mm -hmm. So did you find yourself searching for a site that you felt like appealed more to yourself, your identity? Yeah, I feel like there wasn't and there is. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously, like, well, I'm not on any dating apps right now. That's not an obvious statement, but um I feel like there was like her and I came to that thinking it would be like a like femme centric grinder. It wasn't. Um, and so like, I was like, great. Like I can, like, I'm just trying to fuck too. Like a lot of us, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially women, like we're all trying to fuck all the time. Like I was just like, <laughs> no, no, no. Like it is not just like, I mean, we're like nicer about it and sweeter and softer about it. Yeah. But we're not really trying to like romanticize all the time or like, oh, we have to like date yeah. and be in love. Like, nah, we like, also I don't get that stereotype. I'm like, listen, like I am hitting up at 2am. Like, you know, what's good. <laughs> like it's very, the, I think the projection that women are only emotional not horny is like I mean it's so violently dated and we've obviously like talked about this at length and still it's like a thing for some reason to think that like that's only men men are only allowed to do that um but bitches are thirsty (laughs) you know like we're out here um but yeah I just didn't like having one I just don't like having too many apps on my phone period so I felt like tinder felt like the most digestible app for me Um, and it felt like the one I just had it the longest. So I felt like at that point I was almost just lazy to branch out. You were like, Like, yeah, and you're comfortable in like the user ability and like, you know what it, you're like, right, left, you know. (laughs) Simple, I got it. Simple, like hinge is like, yeah, some of them are more complicated, but I understand because they're like, okay, well, it seems like our feedback is like people want, are looking for more depth in their partners. So I I mean, at least 
on Hinge or other apps, they seem like they're trying to, yeah, you know, be less hookup culture. Yeah. It's also interesting that I, I, I feel like there's also more apps in development now that are not only trying to, I think a lot of people have kind of realized the problem of dating apps, the one, the racism, like just like, I mean, especially with Grindr, especially with Tinder, I think those have seen the most, like, attention for those things. But also trying to, like, make the experience in general more organic. A friend of mine is working on this new app called Perchance, and it's um, basically geared to bringing back, like, the IRL dating experience. And so it is curated by, like, a group of people. My friend just went on it for the first time, and this was the first, like, gay men event that they did. And, like, yes, it was you had to pay for a ticket. So just in that nature in general, it's dominantly white because who just who's, who's paying? one? Who's no one's paying. paying. Yeah. <laughs> no one. And it geared towards people that were, you can frivolously pay, which is obviously like, you know, if we're talking like socioeconomic class, obviously geared more toward white people, white men, white gay men. Um, but removing, like taking a step back from that, he told me he had this like fantastic time because it basically was like, an IRL app so you like sign up online like this is what you want from it you have to like leave your phone at the door I love and like that. you can't have a you can't talk about work like you you have a name tag but the name tag isn't your name it's like you pick a name tag up and it all has like a word on it it's very cryptic and like does sound a little chaotic but I was like that sounds so like I immediately was interested in like that concept and then I was like but for like queer brown people like that, where's yes, that where's you know that? Because I feel like when people first start making dating apps similar to this one, it was only for straight people. And then now it's slowly getting into the queer conversation. But and then like the afterthought is like brown queer yes, people. Yes, yeah. Or it might be like the third phase once it's like, <laughs> oh, you can get a, like a free membership without all the benefits Literally. or without this. But like right now it's going to obviously, when you have paid events, like you said, it's going to target a certain demographic. Totally. But maybe you have to be the one to create this queer brown me. world it, yeah. maybe it's you i could use a check who knows i, know. I can <laughs> invent something we'll see. exactly but. well i was talking to another guest about porn and how mm. like we love porn but how searching for porn it's this unrealistic representation of black women black women bodies or like if you're searching for like that perfect um video with like a man with like a huge dick or like whatever you're yeah. looking for it never is with black woman personified in this warm, sensual totally. way. And so I wonder if um, you've experienced that at least or translated into real life. Like, do you feel what stereotypes have you seen um, exposed on dating websites? Yeah. Um, what's funny is <laughs> the first thought I went to was um, when I was having sex with this dude once who was like, I think he's like half white or Asian doesn't like he just wasn't black. But it was his first time with a black girl, and I was like, your dick is big, so I'm going to ignore that, and let's just, like, wrap it up. But, like, <laughs> I think he just thought I was going to, like, pop that pussy all over him, and I kind of was like, oh, I'm, I'm a lazy bitch. Like, <laughs> like I was I'm like, just going to lay here. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm just going to turn around. Like, I'm not going to Especially if he has a big dick, you're like, and, and so you're going to do yeah, the work. exactly. Like, this, these are my reparations, sir. Like, not yours. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, like, where did you... Like, he kept, like, trying to, like... And I, I have a dance background. So I, like, yeah, we can get into that. But it was just, like, the expectation, like, I felt in our body language that he was just, like, totally trying to project this, like, 
Amazonian woman. Yes, like, like aggressive. Exactly. We want it hard or fast. And I was like, I'm the laziest girl you've ever met. It's my secret. <laughs> I love that. Plot twist. I love that you're like, this yeah. is me. I'm No, lazy. I will admit it. I will I will come out um, and say it for the for the girls in yes. the, listening to this who don't want to pretend. Uh, I don't know. I just think like that was something that was... And then I look back on that and like went to our messages because I was like, okay, never again. And then like he... <laughs> I don't know why this bothered me, but like he was the type to use like the like white emoji instead of a yellow emoji. And I was like, and that's oh, something. Like, this <laughs> is why it will never right? work out. And that's when I knew <laughs> <laughs> something no, was up. No. That bothers me even with my brown black friends when they use emoji, the still a brown emoji, but when it's like one shade lighter, what? I'm like, you know, that's not your skin tone. <laughs> Embrace the darkness. Like we're going to have to switch up because. You got to drag that finger one more one over more. <laughs> slide it right over one more yeah. i really get offended so i understand how that triggered you. Yeah. i mean obviously like i don't know like that kind of projection i mean i feel like a lot of that actually i remember the the messages i received on tinder and this isn't actually limited to men um but from usually like white people reflected so much of my childhood that i didn't realize was so problematic and also deeply ingrained in me in this way like I grew up in a very um privileged space I went to private schools like most of my friends were white because of that like thankfully I lived in Baldwin Hills so I was like well black people yes but like you know and like had obviously like outside friends from like things like Jack and Jill and things like that that I did but my schools are always white my friend groups were dominantly white um and for many of my friends that I hooked up with um, it was always like, you know, you're the first black girl I've ever fucked up with. And like, you know, you're the only, like hearing, like, I remember being 13 once and hearing this boy tell me, like, he kissed me and was like, um, you know, I would never go for a black girl, but like, you're special. Uh, and that's... like, what's most, mostly fucked up, not even that he said that, but I was like, <gasps> yeah, oh my God, I feel so special, right? Right? And I was like, ah! <laughs> like, Peyton. If you're listening to this, like, run. Like, <laughs> run and hit him. Yes. And it was just, like, unlearning that took, a, like, too long. And then feeling, entering that space again was just, like, wow, this shit does not change. And, like, this is not a compliment. And, like, I'm not special for, like, you being interested in my sexuality. And, like, it's just, it's all, like, that is, like, something I feel like I've seen, like, way too much of, of, like, I'm not really into black girls, but like, but you seem like consumable yeah. maybe because yeah. of the way I talk or the way I look or the way I dress or what my, you know, my Instagram was linked to it. And so like maybe my job, which is in my bio, like whatever it is that equates to some kind of like accessible whiteness for you that makes you think that I'm the kind of black girl you can like get down with is like so violent. Absolutely. And terrible. It's like you're, you're, when someone describes you and they're like, oh, you know, Peyton, she's black, but you know, she's, she's not like black, black, but. <laughs> I love black, black. Like, I love an italicized black, she's not black, black. black yeah. But you know, she's yeah, she's black. Like I, yeah. that's totally. And I understand. I grew up in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. I was a debutante through yeah. Jack and Jill, so <laughs> yes, I okay. know. Yeah. Yes, so I I understand having like okay at school there were not very many black people, but then you come to Jack and Jill and you're like okay, so 
we all here together. Let's rally. We're like, all here to complain about the white people from our schools. Like, yes. And community service. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Dope. Yeah. Well, I hope that, you know, more, more space has become inclusive online because it's hard. It's hard to date, period, period. in New York City anywhere. So I'm like, yeah. okay, how can we make this a better situation in yeah. general? Yeah. But uh, I want to talk on a different, whole different note about sexuality and presenting yourself online, specifically sexually or however you identify and how that relates to your job. Or, you know, it's interesting because obviously not everyone, you know, puts up nude photos on their social media or does any type of like sex work. But I was just reading about like sex work and a lot of sex workers happen to be students or have full-time jobs Mm -hmm. in other professional spaces and like how they balance being like a stripper at night, but then a lawyer during the day and how a lot of times they don't want their employers to find out about this other life because people don't want to employ sex workers. Or So I want to know what's your experience about um, being conservative or being open sexually online and how that relates to your your job or your work. Yeah, I think I'm in a place where, you know, I understand completely that even my handle alone is like, and I'm, I'm employed, have been employed, my handle's been the same, is is a privilege because I have like, this liberal space that I work in, I work in social media and like a lot of my, I will say my handle, not my handle. I will say my Instagram got me my job. Um, Like I was working at this startup at the time and uh, my boss had like requested and he was like the CEO. So he like requested to follow me on Instagram. My immediate thought was like, fuck. Like, I don't want to do this. And I, like, deleted a couple things. things. Literally. And so I was like, great, I'll just, like, you know, block him from seeing my stories or something at the very least. Um, So I let him follow me. And I forgot to block him from my stories over the weekend. And, you know, I go out. I act up. I I act up, City Girls. Thank you. But, like, I was just, like, messy or something. I don't know. I was just, like, it was fun. I was running around town and filming it and talking about it. Who knows? Um... But then I get an email, it was like Sunday night from my boss being like, let's come in, like when you come in tomorrow, like let's talk about social media. And so this is like my first, like it wasn't even a full-time job for me at that point. It was like a part-time fellowshipy thing. So my instinct was like, I'm getting You're fired. fired. Yes, I'm absolutely getting fired. He was like, don't represent this company. Like, like that's what I thought the conversation was. So I was fully going into that office being like, and say your goodbyes. <laughs> yes. You had fun. Too much fun. But too like, much fun. <laughs> yeah. um, and I sat down with him and he was like, you're so funny. Like, you're so vibrant. Like, would you want to help out with social media? Like, I would, I think your social media presence is great. And so I was like, oh, I thought I was getting fired. <laughs> and he was like, eh, no, you're fine. Like, it's cool. Like, yeah. And I was like, okay, great. Imagine if you would have blocked him. I know. You would have never known never how funny known. I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so then I started working on our social media team. And then from there, like, now I'm, you know, at paper. And it's been it's been a wild ride. But that space, I felt like, I think things in general are also changing. I think working in media, you're allowed to be a little bit more, you know, human. And like, I guess like, or what's the word? I guess you're allowed to be more open online. Open, yeah. Whatever and and means, like, authentic, but... more authentic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's the word, yeah. Um, so I felt like I I knew that in that space I have, like, freedom to be a little bit more risque. I think something that, you know, shifted was, like, the tone that I use at paper. I also use on my own social media channels. And that's what 
helped change our social media so much because it wasn't like our engagement wasn't great our followers weren't really going up like the minute I think someone realized or our followers realized that you were behind the account. Yeah, not me, but like but like a person and like a young person yes, and like a probably yes. black queer person because like yes, I will tweet about Tessa Thompson topping me whenever I feel like yes. it. Like which she retweeted some of your She listening. did. I don't, I don't know. know. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Thrupple. We'll see. Um, but, um, Wait. Oh, yes. Okay. With your partner. With like, Wait, who's she dating? Wait. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, you're about to spill tea. Yes. I wish I knew the tea. I was like, I know uh, the rumor is Janelle Monet, but I don't know if oh, I no, believe I that one. It, it didn't. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, yeah. A moment of silence. A moment. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think for me, like, I also pretty much, like, when I go out, like, I dress a certain way. And, like, like the other day I went to a party and I was in, like, this bling freaky bra where my nipples were totally showing through but it looked so hot so I was like okay I gotta post this on the gram it can't just live on this story and my boss was like yes bitch like that so I have like thankfully a space where I where this like works for me I can like put my body out when I feel like it and when I want to I can say certain sexual things and feel like totally safe in that I don't think a lot of people unfortunately especially brown queer women Especially in more conservative areas, have no, like that you would be like what? fucked. We if can't you... even wear our hair the fucking way that we exactly. want to wear our hair. Exactly, like so. that's a, that's a bare minimum. Like yes. we're working on that. Like let me wait working to get to my that. nipples out. Like exactly. come on, like, <laughs> it's crazy. And my mom, you know, <laughs> smooth transition. There, no, yes. um, doesn't follow me on Instagram. That was an instant block, of course. Actually, I think she like blocked me she before blocked I could you. block her. Yeah. Like she went to follow, and she was like. This isn't for me. Yeah. Which is nice that she at least it knows, is. like, this just isn't for me. Like, I'm not going to monitor what you do online, but, like, this is not what I ever need to see on my feed. Um, was your mom as accepting as your dad about coming out? Um, I think she warmed up. I think she was a slow burn. Slow burn. Because I think she was just, it was also hard coming out as queer. The, the word I originally used was bi, and I didn't feel like that felt right, and queer felt comfortable for me. And that that changed. So the word bi was what came out at first. And I think, you know, again, in a very backwards way that my parents maybe took that as like, you're in college and you think you're bi and like, well, like, let me know. Yeah, which like has happened before. (laughs) But like, obviously for me, I was like, well, I'm serious. So (laughs) I'll see you in a couple of years with my girlfriend during Christmas. Like, yeah. So, yes. like, my mom, I think, was kind of like, I'm waiting for you to either be a lesbian or, like, grow out of this is what I think she originally, like, took my coming out as. Um, And then, you know, most recently, like, my girlfriend came, and this is the first girlfriend my mom's ever met, Um, came to, like, stay for a night when we, like, crossed over in L.A. once. Um. And so she was only there for a night. So she came over and my mom has never done this before. She slept over the next morning. My mom like brought a plate of like food. My mom doesn't even cook for me. And she like (laughs) cooked this buffet and brought it to us like in bed. So I was just like, like, oh, uh, good morning uh, to you. This is fucking weird. (laughs) But I was just like, what does she have to say? Like, what is urgent that she is knocking on my door at 9 a.m.? Because she was leaving. And even though it felt like so silly and so small, it was also so huge to me to be like, I know exactly what you're doing with this and thank you for doing this. Like it's, it's small, but it shows that like you are justifying well, my relationship yeah. and like understanding that's a part of me. And, um, 
she like recently has been really she's like she's very type a very opposite of me like loves research like is very corporate like worked in the same job for like 25 years like yeah. this is like that kind of stuff um and she like went to this she like runs like i guess like the black like uh, black workers union area whatever the fuck <laughs> yes. at her work and then she like recently was like i'm actually working on something with the lgbtq group oh on gosh. <laughs> and i was like okay bitch yes go mom off. yes i know yes. like, come through <laughs> yeah and like talked to me the other day about what it means to be cis like she's like i think i'm cis and like it's so great to see like she may not have it right now she may not have all the answers but she's like on a learning curve, yeah. which I, I will take, and it, you know. it takes, I've realized with our parents' generation, it really just takes a little bit more time to yeah, rework because, totally. like, to literally throw this shit at them, they're like, there is no man, woman, or <laughs> she, he, and they're like, wait, what? Literally like, everything. Who? How? <laughs> yeah, so beautiful. It, yeah. them, like, they're just really, and, right. I, and I had a boss who really struggled. We had someone who, uh, their pronouns were they, mm-hmm. and my boss being older just really could not mm. grasp the concept. Yeah. And so, you know, the patience was there on all of our yeah. behalf. But it was just like, for for us, I think we can just acclimate a little faster because yeah. it's just more prevalent in our yeah, day-to-day. Totally. Well, it's funny is my grandfather, I always forget this, but he follows me on Twitter, which is a choice for him. But he does. He's there. And he called my dad once and was like, you know, Peyton, she's really an ally. And that my dad was like, oh, <laughs> uh, close. Like, a little bit more than that. Yeah. And, like, had to, like, explain to my granddad, like, that these tweets were about me and not, like, a secondhand experience. <laughs> but what was cool about that, and he was just like, oh, oh, okay, uh, cool, okay. Like, same response. But, like, I guess him following me online kind of let him take that in at his own pace and, like, you know maybe not have to have this like serious sit down conversation, but can just like follow along with my life and like keep reminding him like in his newsfeed that like I'm queer. Like, so that was like interesting. Interesting. (laughs) Meanwhile, so that's your grandfather reading your tweets and my grandmother's (laughs) reading me love letters from her prison bay. And I'm just like, okay. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I, Love her already. That is genius. <laughs> She's yeah. like, I came over to her house like months ago. She like full unfolds this like handwritten letter and she's reading, you know, this like love letter from her prison bay. And then her, she's like, but I told him if he doesn't get it together when he gets out, you know, if he doesn't have his money together, if he doesn't have this and like, <laughs> we just can't be together because I can't, she's 86. She's so like, I, I just can't, you know, be with someone who doesn't have their shit together and thinking I'm going to pay for them. And, do, and I was just <laughs> literally sitting there with my mouth literally to the floor just yes. in, and i was like this is where i <laughs> your where grandmother is my from. final form like that is where i need to be at 86, <laughs> yeah, at 86. that is it exactly and she's, she's still about her business just she's still like, about her business. No, no, you gotta collect the coin like you I gotta can't. get <laughs> wow oh, queen. A queen truly do you think we should answer some questions <laughs> i would love to answer some questions okay let's uh hear from our first caller so a question, topic of discussion lately is drunk sex. Now, the consensus is drunken sex is not consent. But what about drunken sex with your partner? Is that consent? So the question is about drunk sex, and mm-hmm. if that's consensual between partners, what do you think about that topic? 
Well, I never really like to differentiate consent with partners, period. Like, that's, it never, to me, matters. Like, consent is consent. More of what I was thinking about was just, like, the drunk sex part. Um, not to negate the question. I think you should always get consent from no, yes. no matter who <laughs> yes. you are fucking. Agreed. Long-time lover, old-time friend. Right. Get consent. Because there are times yeah. with, my, with a partner and they want to have sex and you're just like, no, I'm not feeling it. I'm not into it. And that's t- that's Normal valid. It's not like, oh, because we're partners, you're ob- obligated to, <laughs> to open your legs right me. now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. So I guess that's my answer to that part. But if it, they're sober and yeah. you're too drunk. I would hope that your partner or would, the person yeah. you're you're having sex with would tap out. It's also a thing that's like, I've had times where like I had drunk sex and I was like, yes, because sometimes when I'm drunk, I'm so, so horny. Yes. I'm such a horny <laughs> drunk person. Like give me a tequila me shot and like some pussy. Like that is like what happens right after the next. <laughs> but I think everything is situational i don't think there's any one rubric or standard to follow i think every like every sexual experience you have is going to be different even if it's the same partner so i think it's just being as conscious as you can even if you are drunk and that or that person is drunk to know when drunk is too drunk to have sex okay let's uh hear one more question hi uh, i have a question I'm currently dating two people who both know about each other, but we play separately. We're not in a freak gun or anything like that. Do you have any advice on how to explain to friends and family? It kind of tapered out at the end, but they are dating two different people and they don't play together. They're not in a threesome, et cetera. And both partners know about each other. But how do you explain the situation if you're seriously dating two people to your friends and family? I've never personally been in this scenario. I've never been in a poly relationship. I don't know if you have. I haven't. We just ran something in our latest issue in paper about polyamory and they all look different in terms of like some are all actively engaged with each other. And right. Or like one person has a relationship with one partner and then the other and then they have an understanding but not like they don't interact. a sexual relationship yes. in that way. So I think there's definitely like a spectrum in how we can identify polyamorous couples. Um, for this, it's also something that I feel like, you know, not to expose this person, but like I feel like I would have to know like your racial makeup, like who are you and where are you? And like, cause sometimes I feel like your answer would depend on that in terms of like how you explain polyamory to, like we just talked about, yeah. like sometimes you got to be really, really slow with things for, you know, older folks to understand it, especially for us older black folks to understand it. So without saying too much, I can tell you this is a white gay male. Okay. Um, yeah. I basically told you everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know him. Oh, him? No. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't worry, sir. You are fine. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think what's, maybe best to do for this situation is like talk to like a closest friend like i would choose like my best friend and like almost have like a trial conversation like someone you feel very safe with where like you know like the one person's like i could tell you some shit and you're like all right cool like (laughs) let's keep pushing but maybe have like a trial conversation with like that person and see how that goes see what language that came off your tongue that feels good some language that was like no that feels like an inaccurate representation of what this is and kind of like work navigate it through that experience maybe even talk to if you have a friend 
that is in a poly relationship that looks similar to this, like maybe how they came out about their relationship, see like what language worked for them, what didn't, especially if their life is similar to yours. I feel like that's usually helpful because it's like the people that you're talking to might be similar in that way and um, in understanding your relationship. As long as you have a strong understanding of how you define your relationship and it like makes sense to you in your head, you'll be able to slowly but surely help translate that outwardly to other people as well. Yeah. I, I think I personally would maybe start, like you said, with a friend and maybe say like, oh, I want, let's do coffee with, you know, partner A or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next week of like, oh, let's, you know, go see this movie with partner B. And gradually being like, you know, I'm really into both of these people, very interested in both. They serve different needs and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm receiving different, like, valuable feelings and information from both people. If my Senegalese uncle can have, like, five wives all living <laughs> in one house, then... <laughs> Anything is possible in this world. Love wins. (laughs) Love Love wins. wins. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I want to thank you so much, Peyton Dix, for being on this episode of Pro Ho. Do you want to let the audience know where they can find more about you, follow you on social, if you want to drop all of that good stuff? Oh, yes. Drop all your apps. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at photo.slut. The dot is just a period, not spelled out. Um, And on Twitter at Dix Peyton. And that's where I live. That's, Amazing. That's yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. Feel free to follow, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Stay tuned for the next episode and we'll catch you later. Bye. <laughs>